This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's my music. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 123, and it is a music memories episode. And today I am joined once again by a contributor at Voices of Wrestling. She's also one of the hosts of the PWG podcast, Journey Through Gorilla Island. It's Sarah Flannery. Hello again, Sarah. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for having me again. I think this is my third time on the show. So happy that a you know a third time back is is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, third time for you. That's right. Uh, glad you're here as always, of course. And uh, it's funny, you know, um, we had Thanksgiving here in America a few days ago, which is a, a big deal, of course. But you, Sarah, you and the rest of Ireland had your own big event yesterday, that being the Late Late Toy Show, which I hear about every year on Twitter from the likes of you and Garrett and. Barry and Alan and Sarah Farrell, the entire Irish crew just go nuts for this thing every year, it seems. And this year, I did watch a little bit of it because they made it available online worldwide. And it's quite the show, Sarah. Um, do you want to explain what it is to people who may not know? Oh, man, that's that's a really tough question. That's a tough ask out of the gate. <laughs> um, it's basically this show. So every every year, every for, like last Friday of November our Friday night late talk show gets turned into the toy show. And instead of celebrities and performers, uh, adult performers going on, it's it's kids uh, demonstrating the, the latest hot toys of the year um, and kids performing. Like last night there was a DJ and a kid singing Ave Maria. But um, it, it's basically just this phenomenon that's been going on for years. But now it's not just for kids watching it. It's for all the adults who not only grew up with it but now it's just basically a a meme show (laughs) every year there's a meme kid that goes viral and it's just it's chaotic it's but it's so much fun yeah the part i watched it went from that kid dj playing songs with a bunch of other kids dancing to this eight-year-old who had cancer and was ringing the bell for cancer and got to go to the lego headquarters in denmark And then to this sassy girl wearing a fur coat, just trashing the entire city of Dublin and its traffic. (laughs) So it was quite the whirlwind there for sure. And, you know, they all have these adorable Irish accents and they're playing with the toys. It's a very cute show. And I can see why people love it so much, Um, especially in, you know, times like these where things are still not great out there in the world. Because, you know, this year was, I'd say, overall better than last year, I think. Um, But the world is still very much... uh, a shit show in a lot of ways. So a show like this that is so uplifting and, and heartwarming, it's a good boost for the soul, Sarah. Oh yeah. If you laugh, you'll cry, you'll go maybe potentially viral on Twitter. <laughs> All the emotions, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think, you know, of any equivalent to it here in America, and I don't think there is one, which is cool for you guys because you know, we've, we've adapted a lot of shows from other countries over the years and done them a lot worse. So it's nice that you have your own thing there with the toy show. Um, 
at least for now anyway, knock on wood, so. <laughs> oh, a rival station over here actually tried to make one to rival the toy show, oh. and it bombed. It absolutely bombed. It lasted <laughs> like two years, so I can't imagine any other country trying if we can't even get it right on a different station. Interesting, interesting. Well, uh, serves them right, I guess, so <laughs> there you go. But uh, yeah, anyway, Sarah, uh, last time you were on the show here was the Chris Saban episode last year. That was a lot of fun. And um, now you're back for a music memories episode. Uh, we just did one with Damon a few weeks ago, and now it's your turn here. And uh, for those that don't know, uh, music memories is where a guest comes on and talks about three memories from their wrestling fandom that are strongly linked to music in some way. It could be from any year, any promotion, any genre of music, uh, an album, a game, a movie or show that's about wrestling, perhaps, whatever you want. And Sarah, not only did you give me your three examples beforehand, but you explained to me why you picked them. And I enjoyed reading that stuff a lot because the point of these episodes is to get more personal and to get to know more about people's fandoms and why these memories are so strong to them. And based on the reviews I've been getting from other people, they love these episodes because of that stuff. And I do too. I love doing these episodes. So I'm looking forward to this one for sure, Sarah. Yeah, I can't wait to get stuck in. And I think some of them, well, at least the first one we we'll talking about, a little bit of a spoiler, I think a lot of people will also kind of share the same sentiment towards it. So pretty excited. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, well, let's get to it then. Uh, Sarah, what is the first music memory that you have for us? So the first one is going to be My Sacrifice by Creed. So I think I picked this one really because this song really symbolizes like my first true proper memories of wrestling. Like I remember rest watching wrestling a little bit before that when I was really young. I remember Chris Jericho's debut and stuff like that. But this is like the first actual time I remember sitting down and, and watching Monday Night Raw every week um, with my two older brothers. Um, and My Sacrifice was the song. Do you remember those Desire videos that they oh, did? Yeah. Um, and everyone like they were really really just really powerful and strong and and, and as a six-year-old um when, when when this song came out when they were using this song um on the lead up to survivor series first of all i didn't know anything about wcw it didn't exist to me i've never heard of it before so i just thought that it was this company coming in trying to take away my beloved wwf <laughs> um and second of all, of course, I didn't really understand storylines and booking and that sort of thing. I was just completely hooked by everything that was put in front of me. 
So this song just makes me think of the fact that I was convinced WWF were going to lose. Like, I was traumatized. <laughs> I was like, these guys are going to lose to th- this, you know, WCW, ECW. Like, what's going on? And I distinctly remember watching the pay-per-view. It was obviously the next day. I wasn't staying up till, till 1am to watch it over here. And my brother's pointing out, Sarah, they're advertising Monday Night Raw for, for Monday. I think I think they're going to win. You know, they weren't <laughs> very smart about this. And second of all, why would Vince have his own company lose? Um, so, But that didn't make any sense to me at the time. I was like, no, they're going to lose. It's, it's awful. Just someone's going to betray them again. <laughs> And any time I hear that song, I just I just go back to being a kid and just loving wrestling and being so engrossed in it and sharing that with other people as well. Like I remember being in, in Germany for an after party and we used to, you know, wrestling songs play these wrestling after parties all the time, but that one came on and the whole room like interlocked arms and everyone just swayed to my sacrifice. And I just think, imagine if you're like an outsider who didn't know my sacrifice or wrestling or, you know, Survivor Series 2001, the Desire videos. They'd be like, what the hell is going on? Why are they swaying to a Creed song? <laughs> and I think that just really sums it up for me. I'm just picturing a six-year-old Sarah in our bedroom at night, praying to God, please, Lord, don't let Chuck Palumbo and Hugh Morris destroy the WWF. Please, God, no, no. <laughs> That's tremendous. I love it. I love it. Um, We covered this song way back when on a Christian rock episode with Jeremy Sexton. And there's a lot to mock about Creed. I know that for sure. No doubt about it. But this song with that video is great. Pure and simple. I love it. And yeah, a good part of that is tied to nostalgia and looking back on the halcyon days gone by or whatever. But look, uh, you know, a lot of stuff in wrestling doesn't age well. We know this for a fact. A lot of stuff ages very poorly, but to me, this video is evergreen. Um, I mean, I watched it last night, and I still got goosebumps from it, because I think the emotions of it are evergreen. You know, it's not just about wrestlers looking cool. That's in there, of course, but you also have shots of wrestlers bleeding and screaming in pain and, you know, putting their bodies on the line. And it's as much about the triumph as it is about the struggle. And that kind of emotional core and that message will speak to people no matter what year it is. Um, And with my sacrifice, that conveys that story so well, along with the clips of Jeff Hardy hitting the swanton in slow motion and Stone Cold bleeding and Taker and Kane doing the pose and whatnot and everything else in that video. It's, It's so well done. And I think the fact that we don't really get videos like this on TV anymore makes it more special. Um, I know AEW, when they went back on tour earlier this year, they did a video commemorating the Dilly's Place era and all that stuff. But beyond that, it's it's a bygone era for sure, Sarah. Oh, definitely. Like, that's the thing. I think that video, like, they are like larger than life superstars, you know, and I think that's that's what the video is. It's those people, it's their livelihoods. And they're just like, you watch them and like... Like you kind of said, you're currently watching in awe now still, even though like, you know, we're way older now and it's not like that for us anymore. We're not like glossy eyed kids watching wrestling anymore. But that video really does make you still because they've just done it so perfectly. And like even back then, I just think like, you know, they were just so big, you know, 
and I just couldn't picture like six year old me ever getting to to see them live like I think a few years later I got to go to my first show but it was just so beyond for me you know like that I would ever get to witness wrestling like that in person because I just felt like it was just this big glossy you know American wrestling that was just so far beyond my comprehension and I think that song will always just make me go back to those memories yeah yeah I remember you know being a 10 year old kid and going to my first wrestling show, which was an episode of Raw, and just being amazed that, you know, these wrestlers who I only saw on TV were now in front of me. You know, there's RVD in front of me. There's Shawn Michaels and Goldberg and Triple H and the Dudleys. And, oh, my God, the pyro is so loud in person and all that stuff. It just, it all just blew me away. And you get older and, you know, yeah, you may not have that same sense of, of wonder that you did back then when you were a kid, but... But every so often, something will hit you, and it will just it'll knock you right back to your youth, whether it's Hangman Page's story recently, or Naito finally beating Okada for the belt of the Dome, or Hiromu coming back from the neck injury a few years ago. Moments like that, which may not come around often, of course, but they will just remind you why you fell in love with wrestling in the first place, Sarah. Oh yeah, definitely. I think nowadays, if a story can pull you in like it did when you were a kid, then you know that it's it, it's something special and kind of beyond. And yeah, like you said, some of those moments are few and far between, but they really do tug on the heartstrings when, when they get them right. Um, and here's hoping, you know, the next few months we'll, we'll get another one. I mean, Hangman Page was, it was a beautiful one. I wish I was there live. I know I would have been oh I would have sobbed like a baby actually if I was there live <laughs> I just know it because those moments just get me they they they, they do get to me um when I and you do have that connection with people that oh god that was amazing mm-hmm. all right Sarah uh, what is your second music memory for us so the second music memory I have is Tarantula by the Smashing Pumpkins So this one, um, <laughs> this is a funny one for me because this song well, came out really well for Bound for Glory 2008 and it was when I was a teenager, so I was 13 um, at Bound for Glory. And this song really just encapsulated, I suppose, you know, when I was a kid, I was that glossy-eyed kid who just took in everything, you know, didn't love or hate anything. I just, lo- you know, I just took it all in. But as a teenager is when you start to turn and you start to question booking decisions and, you know, you pick your favorites on, on work rate and stuff like that. You know, your, your fandom really does change when you become a teenager. 
especially if you're you know a teenager on the internet and and you're discovering all these new promotions and new things and this song will always take me back um to not only trying to get all my friends into wrestling and um, you know i always remember getting my friends over to watch tna and to watch the motor city machine guns to watch pwg to watch ring of honor um and i remember distinctly watching bound for glory 2008 and having my first kind of eureka moment when sting beats moa joe and 13 years later i'm still really bitter about it <laughs> <laughs> and and i remember at the time i'm like okay i really like samoa joe but i don't love samoa joe you know like i liked him because he was really good and you know that year he won the title he was an absolute boss in tna and him getting beaten by sting was kind of the first light bulb where i was like okay yeah, this isn't good. I don't like this. This is the wrong call by TNA. And it's just funny that then when Sting dropped the belt at Lockdown 2009 to Mick Foley, which was like the second, oh, I really don't like this Eureka moment, it was also a Smashing Pumpkin song. Um, so that's kind of kind of funny. But it also just is the time when I really started getting into music as well. And especially picking up music through wrestling. And this is one of the songs that I absolutely loved at the time. It was probably my introduction to the Smashing Pumpkins, to be honest, who like are still, you know, one of my favorite bands. I still listen to them all the time. Um, you know, amongst a rake of songs that you then get into, you know, watching, you know, indie tapes. Um, so that's kind of the memory for me is the third of my wrestling fandom, but also kind of shaping <laughs> shaping who I was as a teenager. Yeah, we are very, very similar in that um, as a teenager, that's when I became a proper music fan. And the two things that shaped my taste in music back then were wrestling, obviously, and Guitar Hero. Those were the big two. And when it comes to wrestling itself, again, yeah, going to my teenage years, that's when my fandom started to change. And I went from being this wide-eyed, innocent boy who just watched wrestling and that was that, to... This, you know, work-rate-loving, internet-jaded smark who just wanted to see my favorites get pushed because they're the best wrestlers, clearly, and this booking sucks, and these guys are too <laughs> old, etc., etc. So, you know, that's just, that's just being a teenager. You know, that's the time when you forge these opinions and these tastes. So I'm right there with you on that, 100%. Um, now, as far as Smashing Pumpkins goes, I mentioned Guitar Hero. The first Pumpkin song I remember liking was Cherub Rock because it was in Guitar Hero 3. And from there, I listened to more of their stuff. But the funny thing is, TNA did not have that many pay-per-view themes from, like, you know, actual bands. But Smashing Pumpkins did three of them. This, Bullet with Butterfly Wings for Lockdown 09, which you mentioned, and a song called FOL for Bound for Glory 2010. So a bit of an omen there for the future where Billy Corgan would actually be in charge of TNA for a cup of coffee there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, nowadays he's got the NWA, of course. So yeah, a, a strong pick there, Sarah, that ties in, you know, being a teen and wrestling and Billy Corgan, the, the holy trifecta, Sarah, that, that's for sure. <laughs> I can blame Billy Corgan for the fan I am today, clearly then. <laughs> I think that's, that's where I'm going back to now. It's all Billy Corgan's fault. And sorry, just thinking back here, I'm kind of back backtracking a bit. It's also funny at this time, like whenever I discovered this new music and people would ask me like, oh, where did you hear this? Like, where did you pick up this song? And 
I remember it distinctly as well. Um, you know, recommending this song to my friends, like, where did you hear it? And I was like, oh, you know, on the internet. Like too embarrassed to admit that it was <laughs> that it was through wrestling. Obviously, as years go by, I kind of did admit, well, yeah, like it was from wrestling. Pretty much half of my discography I have in iTunes now is because of wrestling. And they're like, yeah, we kind of we kind of gathered that, <laughs> you know, with how much that you watch it, you know, you know, rather than going out at the weekends, it stay in and and watch, you know, Ring of Honor and HDNet and Impact, you know, catching up catching up on on the necessaries. Um, but yeah. But yeah, taking out of this Billy Corgan, it's Billy Corgan's fault. I am the way I am with wrestling. So. <laughs> this is a good song. Where'd you hear it? Well, there's this pay-per-view that has a match on it called a Bimbo Brawl. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> a little awkward there, I think. Yeah, yeah. But um, but uh, fun fact, actually, uh, this song, Tarantula, is on the album called Zeitgeist. And also on that album is a song called Doomsday Clock which is the opening music for the flagship podcast. So uh, a nice connection there, Sarah. Nice. Look at that synergy, huh? I did that on purpose. <laughs> In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from Arena Club Dot com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net, arena club.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. 
Okay, uh, time now, Sarah, for your third and final music memory. What you got for us? So my final music memory is Robot Rock by Daft Punk. This is my last one and obviously most recent one. Um, yeah, this one this one means a lot to me in, in many different ways and, and it really goes back to my first big wrestling trip and adventure to, to WXW 16 Karat Gold in, in 2018. Um, and it was like my first time going to wrestling without my brothers and it was the first time I was going with, with new wrestling friends who, you know, I'd only just met the year previous and filled with excitement but also nervousness um, and I remember getting there and I remember I was lucky enough to be part of the, the, the press panel I had a press pass and I remember being at the panel and, and Bobby Guns who you know I'd only known through WXW a little bit I'd only been watching WXW maybe a year at that time and he was just this really cool wrestler who kind of became my favourite at the time and he came out to, to Robot Rock but by Daft Punk and I remember then moving on to the first night actually getting to meet a lot of people that had been to the same shows as me back in Ireland and seeing them in person for the first time after conversing on, on Twitter for the longest time and we were just engrossed by Bobby Guns that weekend the first night he was wrestling Speedball that weekend and Speedball was a mega baby face at the time in WXW and Bobby Guns was this you know uh, shit-eating heel who you know just smoked in people's faces even burnt tim tatter's eye out with a cigarette before like just really gritty heel but he just oozed coolness um and then moving on then to the second day it was like the eureka moment um at the ambition tournament so the shoot style tournament during the day which bobby guns was in we we're all like robot rock bobby guns guns Bobby Guns and people at home can't hear it because at the time they couldn't play the license music to all the, the German licensing fees and stuff like that so at that ambition tournament the Guns Bobby Guns chant started and I think from there that just catapulted into something far beyond that small group of us that were there that weekend ever could have ever imagined um, and it grew then to I think the pretty infamous match then uh, later on that year at their at their tag league with him against Ilya Dragunov with the with the longest dueling chance ever at something like twenty minutes, 
which I think a lot of people are either hot or cold on, but as a person being there, I also really loved it because no matter what people say, it actually was organic. It wasn't forced. It, it wasn't the crowd trying to get over. It was actually us because we actually couldn't see half the match. So we are like, let's just keep ourselves entertained because we can't <laughs> see. Um, and that's really why that song just holds that connection because it went far beyond just you know, a chant and a wrestler's entrance team. It was kind of, it shows a bond between a lot of us, um, especially the Europeans that were on that trip. It kind of just signifies, like, you know, that weekend, so many of us came from so many different places, so many different friendships were formed, um, and still some that are very strong to this day. Like, some of the people that were on that trip are some of my closest friends and my, my podcast hosts as well, you know. It, it just means a lot. And whenever I hear that song, I don't actually really think of, of Bobby Guns anymore. I just think of that weekend and how much that meant to me and really helped me grow as a person and a wrestling fan and kind of got me out of my comfort zone. You know, like I wouldn't be doing shows like yours without that weekend or, you know, writing articles or doing that sort of stuff. It really pushed me out of my comfort zone. So I really owe a lot to, to Daft Punk, Bobby Guns, WXW and, and everyone on that trip just because... You know, who knew that a song with just two two words in it could could mean so much to a person, but but it really does. Yeah, I've always been amazed by the European ingenuity when it comes to chants, especially involving music and song lyrics and making them tuned to the wrestler. Um, like uh, like Matt Riddle, they would sing "Gold" by Spandau Ballet, but they replaced "Gold" with "Bro." Um, Keith Lee, uh, they would sing the chorus of "Hey Jude," nah. Na 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 Keith Lee. Um, there was also one for Bailey. I'm trying to remember what it was. Was it the um, Was it the Hey Baby song? I think it was. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Hey, hey Bailey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so you know, that. stuff like that. And with Bobby Guns, you know, using the melody of his song to chant his name, all that stuff. It's so much more personal than just chanting. Let's go, Bobby. Let's go, Bobby. I think it conveys a greater sense of community and camaraderie. Like, you know, this is our culture. These are our chants. And music is part of it. Like, this is what we do, what makes our show special. And really, that spirit of community and, and bonding and we're in this together, that was the heart and soul of the Brit Res slash Euro boom of the 2010s. And, you know, it all went to shit in the end because of <laughs> certain things, but... At the time, you look at the shows, the crowds, the atmosphere, the energy, the music. It was a place where you wanted to be. I wanted to be there for sure and chant along and, and sing along and being among those people and, and whatnot. So, yes, yeah, Sarah, that, that was a magical time for sure. It, it really was. And, and to be honest, we even kind of joked that the, the kind of the start of the death was the likes of WXW switching from using, you know, actual songs to... Um, license free and, and copyright free music so just generic themes that, that they got from from databases online and yeah some of them were good and some of them did have a sort of atmosphere about them but I think when that happens and you know if they had that from the beginning that'd be a different story and to be honest the same as, as progress as well God, yeah can't believe I'm mentioning them on a podcast in 2021 <laughs> um but you know when once they did the switch there was something missing from their shows. There was that certain um, 
I don't know. It's like like when people come out, you didn't really actually know who it was. You know, even if it was the biggest star on, on the show, you're kind of second guessing yourself and you're kind of straining your neck when you're standing to see, oh, who is that actually coming out now? Oh, is it is it my favorite wrestler? Because I'm not too sure what the song is. It, it lost that certain magic about it. And, and of course, you know, whatever license you know license licensing problems or whatever getting copyrighted and on youtube or whatever just for the live fans i just don't understand why they did the switch because you don't you won't get moments like you know the dueling chance which which the company and the wrestlers loved at the time even if if certain people didn't enjoy it you know bobby guns in the press conference that day said he wanted it to be like a sports you know, football match atmosphere with people chanting and, and jumping up and down and that sort of thing, you know, without having music and, and music people know, you know, events lose that. Like, imagine if tomorrow, I don't know, for some reason, New Japan had to switch to, to license-free music and you don't get the coin drop for Okada. Like, how much does that change Okada and and the aura about him? You know, like, it, it takes it away. And they, you know, that happened to WXW in progress. The the aura around the wrestlers was taken away. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in WWE, you have all these CFO songs going away, and all these new Death Rebel songs showing up. And to me, the schism is quite apparent, um, where these new songs are just not hitting and don't feel really all that memorable or iconic. Um, so my interest in WWE music is is pretty low. Um, as is my interest in WWE in general, really. And anytime a promotion, you know, changes their music in some drastic way, it can be a bummer. You know, you mentioned Progress, a great example there. ROH as well. Um, TNA going from Dale Oliver to Library Music a few years ago. It's a real bummer, you know, especially in a place like WXW where the music is such a an integral part of the crowd's spirit in a lot of ways, Sarah. I am glad that, you know, AEW have Tony Khan with his seemingly endless bags of money. So we're getting, <laughs> you know, the songs back into wrestling. I mean, like when jo- like Jungle Boy's a star, don't get me wrong. He's an amazing wrestler, you know, one of my favorites in, in 2021. But when Tarzan Boy hits, you know, the crowd's obviously cheering for Jungle Boy. But it's because it's also the catchiest song. You know, you can't help but sing along. You can't help but taz it. You know what I mean? You When that comes on, you're just in a good mood. You're ready to watch some wrestling. You're ready to watch Jungle Boy just be incredible. And I'm just glad that there is a little glimmer of hope for, for music to, to be in wrestling like that. Yeah, same with Moxley and Wild Thing. Same with uh, Orange Cassidy with Pixies and Ruby Soho. It's just a really cool thing especially on national TV. But um, but speaking of chance, by the way, uh, I was at the WXW show in New York for Mania Weekend a few years ago. I was on no sleep. I was very tired. <laughs> but I remember that there were some Europeans there trying to get the chance going, and they just did not take. Uh, the Americans were not getting into it, Sarah. So they tried, they tried, but it was uh, not to be. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. And to be honest, a lot of people don't know there's a lot of chance at those shows that do not get off the ground. The ones that you hear are the good ones, <laughs> but there's about 20 other ones that people are trying to concoct in the crowd. And it's either that they're just so convoluted that no one wants to chant along, 
or the Germans just look at us funny being like absolutely not don't even try that here because you're not you're not going to get us involved so keeping it simple with the guns bobby guns something that everyone can love and enjoy is definitely the best um but yeah i can imagine why i don't <laughs> a lot of the chance for those wrestlers i remember i remember watching actually that show on on you know live at home um and trying and hearing the faint crowd um and being like nah guys and i'm pretty sure i knew the people who were trying to do it i'm like they're not gonna do it just stop it's actually, <laughs> it's actually embarrassing <laughs> quit while you're ahead yeah yeah all right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Met. Thank you so much for listening. And Sarah, thank you so much for being here again. As always, an absolute pleasure talking to you. And uh, this is, of course, a shorter affair for us than usual, but still a whole lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to the next one. Thanks. Yeah, I can't wait. I hope we'll be back for a fourth time. Oh, you'll be back. Don't worry about that at all. Don't worry about that. <laughs> you'll, you'll be back. But um, uh, any plugs you want to give, go right ahead. Yeah, so I'm sure you can go and check out my Twitter at Sarah Flan, and um, probably just tweeting about Hiromu as always. Um, and check out yeah, check out my podcast with with my friends at Journey Through Gorilla Island. Um, as of recording, we're on hiatus just because of the the times that we're in. Um, I feel like I say that all the time, but we're, we'll definitely be back soon with more content. But if you enjoy 2004 PWG, definitely go check it out. Okay, and Music of the Met is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find all the great podcasts on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Met. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. If you want to discuss this episode or other topics, you can do so at the VOW Discord. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord. If you want to donate to the show... You can do that. Just go to voicesofwrestling.com slash donate and click the big donate button beneath the name Music of the Met. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Sarah, thank you again, and I'll see you around. Thanks. All right, for Sarah Flannery, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Met. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.